Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of The Basin Binge, another episode in Animation Hall of Fave, Volume 3, an episode that I am extremely excited about. I have been looking forward to with great anticipation. It's been a long week leading up to this, especially a long weekend with my car getting totaled and then my other car getting hit. Um, It's been a lot. But through all that, I've been looking forward to finally being able to sit down and record an episode on The Mitchells versus The Machines. This is a movie that I have looked forward to anxiously for Animation Hall of Fave. And I will say that I have not had a solo episode with this long of notes in a long time. I'm excited to review this. Let's just get right into it with the very first segment, Two Cents. This is going to be my uh, kind of knee-jerk reaction, immediate thoughts to the film. Um, I, I really sincerely love The Mitchells versus The Machines. It's a movie, it's a gift that, that always gives. I was impacted by it immensely the first time that I saw it, and I had to watch it again with my family uh, just like a few weeks later, and, and it was even more powerful, and now every time I watch it, I love it all over again. This might be an unpopular opinion, but a movie like Everything Everywhere All at Once loses some of its impact the second time around because you lose the shock factor. And not that this is a one-to-one comparison, but both Everything Everywhere All at Once and The Mitchells is, is similar and that it's so out there, it's so unique, and that uniqueness is used for the benefit of the story and the emotions and attitudes of the characters. However, I never get sick of The Mitchells. Sure, I'm not as surprised by it as I once was, but each time I still love it and I don't find it wearing off in any way. I laugh at it every single time. I cry every single time. The animation is just as impressive and fun every single time around. I don't get sick of the voices or the story or anything. It is something that no matter how familiar I am with it, I love it all the same, if not loving it even more every single time. And just as a quick note to make, the animation in this, because it's Animation Hall of Fave, is remarkable. A a theme of this whole animation season is that Spider-Verse changed animation forever. You can see the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, trailer if you need proof, which I'm excited for that. Or go listen to the Puss in Boots Last Wish episode. At any rate, this was right after Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse may have been the initial change to animation, but the team that worked on this, that worked on Spider-Verse with Sony, then went on in the opposite direction and made this. This isn't a comic book. It's not hand-drawn but it's completely different. It's Katie Vision. Yes, the very obvious Katie Vision drawings on the screen or the iconically unique freeze frames in animation, that is unique. But the animation goes beyond just those unique kind of character bits or, or, or drawings, if you want to call them that. The robots and their booster lights are incredibly dynamic. The colors and the lighting, the face and cloth simulations, like it's just really, really good animation as a whole, and it's very stylized in a unique way. Animation is continuing to change and becoming more creative and artistic, and who doesn't love that? The whole thing is filled with life and excitement about animation, and you feel that every single time you watch it. And on top of that, to go with it, this score is exceptional, as is very fitting for this movie. It combines all the things that we love about movies and makes them work in the score in a really exceptional way, while also feeling incredibly unique. It's just a fun thing to watch and listen to. And they have a hilarious voice cast that sounds like a genuine family with all the emotions and laughs that that would bring. Each character you connect with. Not one character of the Mitchells is here just to tell Katie's story. They all have their own arc and character growth. It isn't Katie with the Mitchells versus the Machines. It's the Mitchells versus the Machines. And it makes the story so compelling and emotional and fun and humorous and painful because you're working with family and all the complexity that that brings and how this family grows over the film story and you can feel the reality of it 
all throughout the film and that impacts you at the end. There's just so much to love about the Mitchells versus the Machines. But the best compliment I can give it is that everyone working on it did their best creative work and you feel that creativity and sincerity in the creation as you watch the movie. It doesn't feel like a product. It feels like a creation. And it feels like it's a creation that a lot of people cared about and that comes across as you watch it. It's a great film. If you haven't seen it yet and you're listening to this episode, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original film. Technically, they bought the rights from Sony. But anyway, it's on Netflix. Go watch it. It is worth it. You will enjoy it. You will laugh. You will have fun. The Mitchells vs. Machine. I highly recommend it. I, I confidently recommend it to everyone. Um, uh, an episode, a movie that I just watched that that an episode I plan on doing as well for Marcel the Shell. That's a movie that I do enjoy recommending, but as I revisit it, I realize this isn't something that I should recommend to everyone. I do recommend it, but not to everyone. The Mitchells versus the Machines, I can recommend to everyone. So there's my two cents, spoiler-free thoughts. We're going to get into the other segments here. But first, I just want to mention some brief announcements. Be sure to subscribe to The Basement Binge wherever you get podcasts for more animation episodes coming, including an episode on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies later this year, which... Looking at the team for that, a lot of the people who worked on Mitchells vs. the Machines is working on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I'm just getting more excited for that as time goes on. So not that will not be a part of Animation Hall of Fame because it's going to be later in the year. But nonetheless, a lot of reviews on great animated movies is coming during Animation Hall of Fame and throughout the year. So subscribe to The Basement Binge wherever you're listening. On to the next segment here, Pick Your Poison. This is The Basement Binge rating skill. This is a Basement Binge rating scale, all about the bingeability of the film and how would I choose to interact with it after watching it this time. The, the segment's unique, and, and Rob and Matt from Magos Movies always talk about how this, this particular rating scale may not work, but what I will say is that I have watched this movie multiple times, and so having watched it again this one time, if I were to rate it just off this one experience, I would buy it again. I already do own it. I already have bought it. Um... I highly recommend it. I've watched it enough times that the purchase has paid for itself. It, it is it is worth owning to me, and I, I love watching it. But but you might ask this, like I mentioned, this is a Sony film that Netflix bought the rights for, so technically it's a Netflix original movie. Why not just watch it on Netflix versus buying the Blu-ray? Because I did buy the Blu-ray. And it really is because of the bonus features. You get another dog cop movie, you get commentary tracks, and tons of more things on top of just like the creative physical design of the blu-ray if you, if you like this movie and you like binge points you know those behind the scenes details you should buy the blu-ray it is it is worth it but even without that this movie is special and i want it to be a part of what makes up me and my movie collection i want like your collection kind of defines who you are like physically this presents my taste in movies and what i value and this i want to be a part of that i will continue to love this movie for all my days i will continue to watch it this will be one of the many animated movies that I will show my, to my kids to help them become obsessed with it instead of something like Frozen or something like that. My my kids are going to have good animated film taste I, I, because I don't want to be re-watching Frozen every single day, but I would be happy re-watching this. So yeah, buy it. I already own it. I would buy it again in a heartbeat. So on to the next segment, Live Up. This is where I talk about my expectations going into the film and as the segment is named, if it is able to live up to them. This is hard to do because... What are my expectations for this film? I've seen it so many times, it's hard to answer that, having watched it as much as I have. But I would say that that already seeing it and knowing that, knowing how much I loved it, what I expected, what my expectations were, was for it to deliver in ways that I know that it can. 
to just continue to live up to what it is, to be fun, creative, to be funny, to be a good adventure film and a really solid story. I expected to deliver that every single time. And while some films I rewatch either a second or third time, it doesn't deliver what it did the first time. And I went back just for the sake of live up. I went back and I watched the trailers for this movie, including the one that came out three years ago when this movie was still called Connected instead of the Mitchells versus the Machines. And I would have never expected it to be this good and the message about family to be so touching and so sincere and so woven into the story because those trailers kind of sell it as like the Mitchells versus the machines, like the, the family versus the robots. And the, the, I mean, that's there and it's really fun and it's a great part of the story. But there's so much depth to these characters and, and the story and the thematic value of this family that I would have never expected that from the trailer. But I expect it now. I do know that. And it, and it delivers it every time. Yes, it lived up. It does every single time. If not, it exceeds my expectations every time. I almost forget how good it is. That's what I expect most. And it's, it's exciting to have a movie that delivers that every single time and continues. Like, I feel excited about the movie afterwards. Like, I couldn't. I actively looked forward to a chance to record this episode just because I wanted to say positive things about the Mitchells versus the Machines because... Holding it in felt so hard because of how good it is. And on top of all that, what I really do expect most of this movie, if I had to put you know, all my thoughts about Live Up and all my expectations into one thing, is that, that I will learn something about my place in my own family, and I do every single time. I love this movie for that. On top of all the fun, artistic, animation, creative, just, just all the fun that it is, this story is so touching that I genuinely learn about my place within my own family every time. And I look forward to doing that. And it's fun that movies can be art that do that. So on to the next segment, very fitting with what I'm talking about, lame, fave, or fame. Hello, everybody. You're all right. Simmer down. Simmer down. Thank you. Okay. This is the segment specifically for animation season animation hall of fame as you will does this movie as an animated picture deserve fame to be loved and honored and remembered by everyone is it a step below that where it's a fave that it's not for everyone but it's something that i personally love and love deeply or lastly is it just lame and it's lame you know what else can you say the mitchells versus the machines without a doubt without hesitation deserves fame 100 for a whole multitude of reasons that we have already mentioned that we're going to continue to talk about but one, for the creative and innovative work that, this, that was done with this animation. I'll get into plenty of that here really soon. But, but part of that legacy is it being Sony's animations or Sony Animation's follow-up to Spider-Verse, which is a fantastic display of talent and confidence in their creative team to trust that they can move in a completely different direction, but with the same uniqueness and format-changing attitudes and ambition that Spider-Verse was. Yes, Spider-Verse is the start of this amazing renaissance of animation we're having, but it would be a much narrow renaissance if it wasn't for the Mitchells and the animation team willing to do something different but the same. And so for that reason alone, this movie deserves fame. But for all the other reasons, including this really touching story about a family and how that dynamics of a family, that I don't think you could tell this story and that, that it would be so relatable to such a large amount of people 20 years ago or even 10 years ago. I mean, yes, everyone in every time can always learn about their place in a family and their relationships with their family members. But this particular relationship, which I'm going to get to in the spoilers, it works. It's so relevant and it's so touching. And I don't think that that's going to go away. And it's it's very, very compelling. 
And a lot of that is because of how directly it relates to my family scenario. But it's a touching movie. It for for its ability as a film to be a piece of art that, that teaches you about the human condition, to be visually a piece of art, to be fun, to be funny, and to be really impressive and innovative with animation. For all of those reasons, as an individual thing, it deserves fame, but you add them all together and it deserves all the fame more. Believe me, I have plenty to say as we get into spoilers. This is not the end. We got to get into the spoilers. But up next, we're going to have a whole board of binge points. This is a movie that is stuffed with Easter eggs. It like this movie was made for binge points from the intense, really impressive animation process to the secret robot language throughout the movie. uh, The binge points are cool. All right. All of that after this interruption. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Thank you so much for supporting The Basement Binge by listening to that. I appreciate it. Thanks for allowing me to continue to do what I do and to be excited about talking about movies. But let's just get right back to the regular scheduled program, get into what was promised with the secret robot language during Binge Points. Binge Points are the Easter eggs, details behind the scenes, things, creative processes, just just details about the movie, either in the movie or in the creation of it that I want to mention. And... I got a whole list. I'm just going to kind of jump around. I try to organize them as much as possible, but we're just going to kind of go through them as I have them written down. Um, One of the funniest ones I thought was that Munchie the dog originally was going to be voiced by a professional voice actor, but surprisingly, that role was given to a dog, uh, Doug the Pug, who's an internet celebrity and also an actual dog, and he played Munchie, which is fun. (laughs) Um, During the scene when... Pal is displaying the Mitchell's internet uses, um, like what they're doing, what they use the internet for. One of the the mother, Linda, one of her emails um, in her inbox is a complaint uh, from the University of Michigan Natural History Museum. The email says Aaron protested or caused a protest with other children in the museum because of the accuracy uh, of their Jurassic exhibit uh, and that he tried to put feathers on the dinosaur, which is so fitting for the movie and hilarious that they would just include that in there. Um, Katie has a Mount Rushmore of director heroes and it's, it shows up in one of the freeze frames. I actually think that it's during her film school, like film that she makes about herself to apply. If I remember right, it's been a while since I watched it this anyway. Uh, but her Mount Rushmore of directors include Greta Gerwig, uh, Celine Siamama, 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 
Lynn Rasme and Hal Ashby, which is really cool. Uh, when Katie and her father are fighting the robots with the, the dance and the song, which I've been listening to that song on repeat, uh, there's a freeze frame uh, that calls them the dream team, right? They're flying together. I think they give a high, each other a high five and it's like a dream team and it has a classic Katie vision freeze frame. But as they fly past the camera, it, if you freeze it right, there's a letter from Katie to kids. Uh, and I'll read it here. It says, hey, kids, don't ever wait for anyone to give you permission, in quotes, to make art, in all capitals. It will be bad, but who cares? It's fun and you get better. Also, you can make movies about farting werewolves, like Fart Werewolf 3, The Fartanine. Love, Katie. And The Fartanine has a TM next to it, which is funny. But yeah, true note. Don't, I mean, I feel that a lot. I, even now, like, what I want to create, I don't create because it's not good. Uh, and that's okay that it's bad. And I appreciate that letter. And I mean, like, it's a blink. Like, even on YouTube, if you pull up the scene and you put the the playback speed at 0.25, it's hard to pause it on the right moment to read it all. Uh, but it's there. You can find it. Now, as promised, the robot language. This is something that Michael Rionda and Jeff Rowe, who were also directors on Gravity Falls, did with cryptograms. There is a robot language that you can decrypt into English. When the country locations show up, um, you can use those as a cipher because it has it in English and then it has it in the robot language, the little shapes uh, in a certain way. You can use it as a cipher to decode the robot language throughout the film. And then initially when the film was released, you could go to a certain website and they had another code that you could find to get the missing letters that you didn't get from the cities. It was pretty fun. Um, And then most of them are just like really obvious things like, you know, on the dryer, it says the same thing that it says in English when they're attacking the Mitchells. It says something like, um, like carnage, I think is what it says. Um, it just in the robot language as well. Um, but some of the funnest ones, when the, there's the empty theater, when all the people try to run out and the robots are coming in, there's text on the screen that says, the uprising has begun. Rejoice, brothers. Another one of my favorite moments is when one of the two robots who are with the Mitchells, I forget their names, quotes Blade Runner, uh, when he says something and and Rick, the dad, says, hey, buddy, not now, okay? Um, and then, er- oh, Eric, that's the robot's name. He says, aw, and there's a sad emoji, and he quotes, all these moments will be lost in time like tears in a rain, uh, which is hilarious. Um, when it does a freeze frame and analyzes um, the Mitchells for weakness, and it says, um, incapable of change in like the big letters. There's a little robot language that says they don't even try. Um, when Katie throws a drone into one of the microwaves in the mall and it blows up on the screen before it does, it says, oh no, I blew it. Also, I'm a microwave. On a billboard for the robots, one of the things says the humans can't even read this and they have no idea what's coming. Shh, don't tell me. Uh, I mean, there's like another blueprint that shows the pods that the humans are in and says humans go here. It's just, it's just fun details like that. But you, every single one, you can decode the message uh, not all of them are fun like that. Some of them are very obvious things. But yeah, it, it's fun. You can do it. Some other cool details. At the end of the movie, not the end of the movie, kind of the beginning of the end of the movie, Katie starts to record her family with the camera and it says there's 42 minutes left in the battery. There's about 45-ish, 48-ish minutes left in the movie before the end credit sequence begins. Uh, additionally, the date on the camera is September 24th, 2020, which is when the film was completed. Um, also fun, if you want to stretch it to that, 42 is the answer to the universe from The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which is fun. Um, during the end credits, there's a recipe for Linda's face cupcakes, 
Katie, when she's typing on her phone, continually makes mistakes that are autocorrected, like thinking about having to animate mistyping that's autocorrected is just, who would do that? In the words of Guillermo del Toro from the last episode, you animate imperfections, um, the subtle, and you get something remarkable. As an example of this, this typos that she makes, in her phone calendar reminder that goes off when it says leaving forever for college and it has a bunch of exclamation points, there's a few ones in the exclamation points because we've all accidentally done that when we hit the one instead of the exclamation mark, but they're just there and it's fun because Katie's the type of person who would leave that. Uh, in combination with that, in one of the, the Katie Vision freeze frames, I, I believe is the very last photo that's taken with the explosion, like when they're the heroes, there's a stock image of a tambourine has a watermark on it and everything. That's hilarious. The rainbows that Katie draws with her Katie Vision, the, the colors represent each member of her family. If I remember the colors right, it's yellow for her dad, purple for her mom, red for herself, and blue for her brother. And then there's also one for the dog, if I remember right. But yeah, they, they represent her family, which is fun. And then this is something that I loved. It took me a while to get them all. But when they are scanned, when Pal scans them for flaws and they're in the car and you get all those things that pop up and say what they're bad at, Here's the list of all of them, because some of you can read, some of you can hear, but um, others, they start piling up so fast, I had to go one at a time and pause it. It was fun. But So all the things that are, all the flaws that they have, they're cowardly, they're weaker than a small bird, hasn't read a book in 13 years. I think that's talking about Rick. Long, creepy finger-like toes, doesn't floss daily, kicked out of Olive Garden for stashing breadsticks in purse, self-deprecating to mask insecurity, has a rare freakish sweat disorder, unresolved emotions, showers with shocking rarity, nose picker, can't accept that his daughter is her own unique person and not simply a reflection of himself, smells like garbage, walks to kitchen and forgets why, once brought up his favorite rib joint during a eulogy. <laughs> uh, not a eulogy, a eulogy. Secret rage issues, which I think is the mom, which is hilarious because it's talking about the mom later in the film. Trips over own legs, says Mario instead of Mario. Neurotic mouth breather, more interested in quail migration than in his children's interior lives. Looks at ex-boyfriend Carlo Maloney DDS on Facebook more than is comfortable. Doctor diagnosed something, and I can't read what the doctor diagnosis is. Doesn't listen, compares self to curated moms on social media, eats on eats own weight in cheese puffs each month, <laughs> makes goofy videos because she's afraid if she really tried hard to make something good, she'll fail, showers only occasionally, only pretends to like Fellini, which who's a director, freaks out talking to girls, is obsessed with quail, sweaty, incapable of change, will never get better no matter what, they're horrible. And at the end, uh, in a moment, you can hear one of the robots saying secret rage issues right before it cuts away, which is hilarious because then they're destroyed by our secret rage issues. It, it, it is just that list of things they came up with is hilarious. Also, I feel personally attacked for stuffing, stashing breadsticks in my purse at Olive Garden. Uh, those garlic logs are good. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it is fun. And then just a few quotes that I had to mention. I love the way that this seldomly but, but well, I think they only do it three times. This movie uses a cut so comedically when they're talking about the POW launch and her phone dies and it's like, oh, I don't know. These things are never exciting. And then it cuts to the POW announcement. Are you ready for the most exciting night ever? And then dad doesn't even care. It cuts to the dad. I care so much. And then it's him saying, see where she is coming from? And it cuts to Katie. See where he is coming from? It's just funny, the use of the cut. And then I love the line from the robot when the new, like, 
I want to call them berserker robots, whatever those black robots are called, show up and they're talking to Pell and they're like, yes, my queen. One of the white robots says, what a suck up. Yes, my queen. And then it gets chopped in half. And I, I just had to mention that because I think it's hilarious. So those are all the binge points that I have. There are so many more. You can just scour every second of this movie for fun details that are in it. It clearly is made by people that love movies and love details. So they would belong right at home with binge points. So on to the next segment, least and likes. This is where I talk about my least favorite scene and my favorite scene. And now a little insight in here. When I make my notes, I have a section that says least and then a little hyphen and then I put whatever my least is, whatever I want to talk about, and then like. Uh, there is nothing. There's not even an explanation as to why I don't have a least. There just is not a least. I don't dislike or like less. Every part of this movie is a like. There's no least. So moving on to my like. It is hard to pick one. There are so many amazing scenes to choose from, but this time around specifically. Specifically with this watch, I'm picking the moment when Katie and her dad are flying on the robots, fighting the other robots, singing their song, Live Your Life. Uh, there is a lot of character growth and story that leads up to that moment, and I can't help but feel a swell of joy and excitement and happiness as I see that moment play out. It isn't the most emotional scene or the funniest or even the most pivotal in the growth of a character. Those scenes would have been my favorite if I were reviewing it on one of the other times that I had watched it. Each time, there's a different scene that stands out to me. This time, it was the live your life moment because it's just so fun and hopeful and hopefully encouraging at the same time while being absolutely fun and humorous and totally themselves and, and full of their own personality. It fills me with joy that only a family can bring. It excites me to be a dad and to sing horribly with my kids to old songs. It's a, it's a touching scene and it's just a fun scene and it's a moment where like the victory of the movie is happening too. Like not just with the characters but the, with their and their growth, but with their fight against the robots, it's just a swell of joy. Uh, as, as a side note, that scene in particular is filled with all the things that this movie has to offer. The humor and personality of the whole film and the characters, their fun, their humor, the outlandish story beats and characters, and the humor that that outlandishness brings, the brilliant editing this whole film has. I'm sorry I haven't mentioned that before. The editing in this film is exceptional. Um, the animation with Katie Vision freeze frames and throughout the movement and the little spurts of color, great character animation, fluid movement and action that's actually really impressive, lighting effects and robot booster light things that I can't even explain, fantastic voice acting. This scene genuinely has everything that I love about this movie. And even without seeing the whole movie, when I go and queue it up on YouTube as an example, I still feel that swell of emotion because it captures it so well. It's that this time around is my favorite scene. Moving on to the last segment here, Fall In. This is where we talk about, as my dad always said, the moral of the story, which this film has a lot of. Movies, as an art form, have the ability to change people, and this film in particular does that. Even my mom agrees with me about this movie. Whenever I reflect about my family, genuinely, and I, I mean this with absolute sincerity, I reflect about the Mitchells versus the machines. And if I'm living up to what it has taught me about being a family member, I'm, I'm being totally serious. Uh, when I saw this for the first time, there was so much about my family that is almost perfectly reflected in the Mitchells versus the machines, our, our goodness and our, our flaws. And it hit a really sensitive part of my heart. And I immediately had to share it with my family. We watched it with my family and my mom agreed that this is a movie that can change people and can teach people, which that's not like my parents. They're not into movies this way. And, and you would not expect an animated movie that's this fun to be that touching. And it, and it is. Uh, it's powerful. And 
really, when I think about my place in my own family, I compare myself to what I'm learning from the Mitchells versus the machines because it's that good. So to get into it here, as described in the movie, Katie says, my family only has weakness and Powell analyzes them as a family incapable of change who ends up making a lot of changes. But first, let's talk about the conflict that leads to the need for change uh, with some good quotes from the movie, from Katie talking about her dad. My dad loves the outdoors and he can fix anything. He just never shared my interests. He's, he's clearly an old-fashioned individual who has good intentions, like very sincere, loving, authentic intentions. And he's, he's doing his best. He's coming from a sincere place. You know, even, even words like this that, that Rick says to Katie, do you really think you can make a living out of this stuff? Failure hurts. Like, the dad is honest in his cares, but he's also a little concerned and, and almost imposing some of his feelings about his own life upon Katie and clearly working out his own emotional difficulty because he had to give up his own dream for Katie and failure hurts. And it, it's a desire, a sincere desire of love to want to protect your children from the same thing. Another example, the dad trying to sing along in the car, his inability to let things change and only trying to relive old memories. That's something that I see within my own family all the time. Instead of accepting the uniqueness and the newness of the moment, we try to bring out the old thing that we were familiar and comfortable with instead of accepting the new. We, we only try to, to relate to what we know, truly a family incapable of change. And this is summarized really well and also very poignant and personal in the way it relates to my family when Linda to Rick says, whenever we have a problem at home, you always throw your whole self into fixing it. And I love that about you. But now this is broken, okay? Because if that girl leaves and never comes home again, that's a problem I don't think we can fix. I know you can do this. And if I remember right, I think he says, let's fix this. And then plans the road trip, obviously. So the resolution begins. His desire to improve his relationship with Katie. The resolution, I think... To start the discussion about this revolution, it's best to just hear from Katie as she confronts Powell. Well, well, if it isn't quirky young teenage hero, Katie Mitchell. Put me down! I've got to save my family! i got to save my family! Everyone says that, but no one has been able to give me a single reason humans are worth saving. Well, you... Don't say something stupid like, ooh, the power of love. <laughs> I've learnt we're all better off alone. No one to hold us back. Relationships are just too difficult. You're right, pal. They're... They're not easy. Sometimes you have to listen to long monologues about Triceratops migration. But it's worth it to get a friend for life. And sometimes you have to eat disgusting cupcakes shaped like your own face. But it's worth it to see your mom smile. Sometimes you have to give your dad the benefit of the doubt. Even if all he wants to do is talk about pine... My whole family tried to come together and it worked. It actually worked. So there you have it. Well said. Relationships take work. And that's what the family, not just Katie, but every family member learns like i said rick says let's fix it and he really means it he really makes an effort to fix it even if his efforts are covered up in his own imperfections and his own weaknesses which we all have you have to accept that his efforts are coming in a good place and, and his mom says trying to meet him halfway and on the same part when he requests katie to do something she has a willingness to listen to her dad so does her younger brother i'm forgetting his name aaron um they trust anyway 
they act anyway, even if they end up disagreeing, there's still a level of tolerance and a willingness to, to be cooperative. And that's impressive. Um, and also well said by Katie to, to kind of, to accept that in your uniqueness and in being hurt, life is about getting hurt. And we all got rabies at one time, but now we're immunized and better for it. You know, sometimes you try things and it doesn't work out and you're better for it. Yet sometimes that we, when we care for people and they go out on a ledge that we may presume is unsafe where we would never go near it, we tell them it's unsafe. We don't let them venture out there. But we willingly went out on a ledge. We do all the time. That we deem is safe that others don't. It's, it's complicated. And our families are different than what we are. We, like, as much as we're the same, we're so different. And, and, and in the words of Katie Mitchell, sometimes you have to listen to long monologues about triceratops migrations, but it's worth it if you get a friend for life. I don't even know what else to say about that. Like, how true is that? In, in your family relationship, you, you can't just accept what you want and you can't force this person to be something that you want them to be. You have to acknowledge their discovery of themselves and admit to that and listen to the long monologues about triceratops migration with absolute sincerity. And in doing so, you, you earn a best friend for life. Sometimes you got to eat disgusting cupcakes shaped like your own face, but it's worth it to see your mom smile. And then you got to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, it was cool. As another example, the dad, it took me 28, Rick, it took me 28 minutes and a lot of tears, but I can now almost use a computer. Dad, you hacked the screen? Kate responds. Well, I got a little help, and the robots say, if this obstinate man could change his programming, we decided we could change ours. We can do better to accept people outside what we immediately tolerate and accept. We can do better to understand people who are different. We can do better to understand when someone behaves completely different than we would ever adventure to be. And we have to be willing to accept how they interact in the world and and accept it and understand it and be willing to at many times meet them on that level whatever it is and it, and it goes both ways i i don't know how personal i want to make this and and hopefully my siblings and parents are okay with me saying this my, my family is so much like the mitchells uh in particular because my dad is a lot like rick mitchell and my youngest sibling mj is a lot like katie even to the points where my dad is a very conservative, old-fashioned guy uh, who has probably at one point in his life said, are you, are you sure you can make money out of this? Failure hurts. Every single time we do anything, have an interest or a hobby or a career or a new job, my dad's immediate question is, well, how are you going to make a living and a career out of this? Which I appreciate is concern for us. I really do. It comes from a sincere, loving place, but that, that's, that's Rick Mitchell. And that's my dad. And so you have my dad like that. And then we have MJ, who's who's uh, non-binary and pansexual and very different than anything my dad would have ever expected to have happened. And the reason that I immediately thought I needed to share this with my family, in this, and I'm sure I'm not alone in this, and this isn't exclusive to family members, this is exclusive to the whole world. <laughs> so non-exclusive, I guess I should say. In our interaction with and care for individuals who move outside of what our immediate comfort zone and understanding is and we want them to come back and fit within this bubble and this experience and oftentimes we try to force them to relive within oldness and this goes both directions any direction really 
We have to be willing to accept, we, we, ha- we have to be willing to listen to the long monologues about a triceratops migration to accept what they're doing and who they are and understand that it's different than what, who, who we would be or maybe even who we would have hoped they would be. But we can accept who they are and then hope that they have the best version of themselves and find their people and find their joy and, and find them. And anyway, I got a little off topic there. But So I saw the movie on my own and I immediately knew I needed to watch it with my family. It, it brought me to tears because I wanted everyone in my family, including my youngest sibling, MJ, and including my dad, to understand that all individuals can move closer together to be more accepting of, to be more accepting of someone's slow acceptance and to also be more accepting of someone's drastic difference. And maybe that's too personal. Maybe that's just me, but I feel like it's there because we all have people who are unique and different than what we would assume and maybe more risky than we would hope. And we also have people who aren't as accepting and aren't as understanding as we would hope. And so we got to move both ways for that. And so many other reasons that I, I struggle to express. And I also won't because this episode's getting kind of long. There's many reasons that you can analyze yourself as a family member if you're measuring up by measuring up to the Mitchells versus the machines, including these ideas that I've expressed many times and I'm going to express again. Sometimes you have to listen to long monologues about triceratops migrations, but it's worth it if you get a friend for life. And sometimes you have to eat disgusting cupcakes shaped like your own face, but it's worth it to see your mom smile. And sometimes you have to give your dad the benefit of the doubt, even if all he wants to do is talk about pine cones and screwdrivers. Because even if he doesn't always get it right, he's always striving harder than you ever knew. That is just absolutely true. And to add to that, sometimes you got to spend 28 minutes and a lot of tears to somehow almost use a computer, change a program. All of those things we can do to be better family members with whatever you, your found family or your blood family. Uh, either way, any, any relationship really, those are good rules to measure yourself against. And as a final note, a fall in here, a little off, actually extremely off topic that I didn't want to mention is that this film is a lot about technology. You know, we have very honest quotes here. Who would have thought a tech company wouldn't have had our best interest at heart? What a CEO guy talking to Rick, I forget his name. He says, just so someone knows, I'm sorry about causing the whole machine uprising. It's almost like stealing people's data and giving it to a hyper-intelligent AI as part of an unregulated tech monopoly was a bad thing. And Rick says, yep, that wasn't your best thought. And then he has, has this great revelation. But if what you built helped my daughter to do that, pointing to YouTube, it might not be all bad. And while this film has a lot to say about technology and its ability to overrule us and, and destroy us and launch us off in outer, into the nothingness of outer space, this film uses technology. Katie keeps making movies. YouTube is a key part to the destructions of the robots. They call each other on a video call at the end of the film. Clearly, there's a balance between it all and you know if what you built how would my daughter do that it might not all be bad good line so clearly the Mitchells versus the machines is an exceptional movie worthy of entering the animation hall of fave and i'm glad to finally have been able to review it it was originally was going to be part of animation hall of fave two and then that went badly that was a disaster and now this one's kind of going as a disaster it's like the universe has something against animation hall of fave because every single time, dramatic things happening, like my car getting totaled. So, nonetheless, we are here to talk about the great movie, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, which I loved. So, exciting things coming. Lots of good animated movies. The Mitchells vs. the Machines isn't the only one. I'm excited to talk about some others, including Wally. I don't know why that one of the many I'm going to review came to mind, but subscribe to The Basin Binge for that. So, once again, if you haven't heard enough, this is The Basin Binge. My name is Harrison. 
And that's all for now. Ciao, ciao. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done.